we know and we're one of the few communities in Nova Scotia that can say with any kind of certainty that when the turbines are turning, all of our electricity is coming from wind power. That's kind of unique. This is Voices, Stories of Change, a series of podcasts and interviews from Engage Nova Scotia. I'm Jeff Overmars. David Stevenson is president of Colchester Cumberland Windfield, based in Tatamagush, Nova Scotia. Just over a decade ago, David and a group of residents had a dream to harness the wind and power their community. In this first of a two-part series taken from an interview with David at his home in Tatamagush, he describes how a community came together to fund this dream. Uh, I'm David Stevenson, and I'm president of the Colchester Cumberland Windfield Incorporated. Um, I suppose you could say our head office is in, in the Tatamagush area. Uh, we're, we're a pretty small organization. We have a, a management team of two people and uh, a board altogether of eight, uh, which uh, has to be six people from the local area, and then we have two people from uh, outside of the Colchester and Cumberland counties. Well, the, um, the advantage we had was that there was uh, uh, several people based out of Windsor, Nova Scotia, uh, who were thinking of wind power. And uh, uh, the, the uh, person who provided the impetus to us was Dana Moran, who's uh, involved with uh, the Fundy uh, Tidal Power on the Nova Scotia side. Uh, in the Digby area, and he came and uh, did a, a meeting in River John, uh, which my wife and I went to, and at that meeting we uh, we got to know David Swan. We didn't realize he was back in the area from California. Dr. David Swan brought extensive engineering knowledge to this project and others in North America, with a particular focus on clean energy and transportation, including a focus on electric buses. Um he was one of the people who was instrumental in starting CCWF based on the model of having local wind energy companies across the province. And uh, um, I, I bought shares, Judy and I bought shares in the company, and uh, uh, from there became interested in being part of it in a more active way. And uh, I joined the board in 2007 as secretary. Uh, it was in uh, 2007 that we tried for uh, a power purchase agreement, which is critical. Uh, you, you, you make all the power you want, but it can't go anywhere and, unless you can put it into Nova Scotia uh, power lines. It was from uh, getting uh, a power purchase agreement uh, with Dave, uh, David, the engineer, uh, David Swan, the engineer, he needed to step down as president so that he could pursue that line, that side of the of the operation. And I took over as being president and been there ever since. I think that was in 2009. And um, then we had a, a power purchase agreement in 2010. And here we are. Before we put up the very first turbine, uh, we had... Uh, a public meeting, and we had it in the area just uh, down uh, when when you drove here today, you came through the area from Earltown, uh, the falls, and Balfron into Tatamagush. 
we had the meeting out in uh, in the falls, uh, and so you could look up and see where the turbines would be. In fairness to people, uh, you don't know what the effect is going to be to them individually until you have the turbine in the air, and it, it turbines do have effects on people. Um, some are purely psychological. Uh, they anticipate that there will be an effect, therefore there will be. And uh, we recognize that and uh, not uh, not belittle it in any way. They They do know that they think there's something happening. David touches on additional concerns that arose following the installation of the first turbine later in our conversation. The number of investors in the community and benefits of the investment model chosen for this project are what makes the story so unique and truly local. Uh, it began with oh, about uh, 30, uh, the very beginning where it was about 30 people, and some of them, when I got to know, are you know were uh, people who were the boss of a place where someone worked who had already bought shares and said, oh yeah, you might want to be interested in this. It's kind of a neat idea and the shares are such and such. With the, um, with the first uh, offering to the public, uh, it became uh, maybe 80 shareholders and then it was like 125. And now we have, I think the... the uh, Sometimes because of death or, or people needing to sell shares, it changes a little. But it's about 285 shareholders. The, the vehicle that made it possible is the Community Economic Development Investment Funds, CDF for short, which is regulated through Securities Commission. Uh, and it's a provincial program now through Department of, of Business. And um, we found out how we would go about um, doing a, an offering document so that we could sell shares to the public. And um, David and I started writing. And uh, it was a grueling proce process the first time. Um, the, there was a share offering in 2007, and then uh, 2010, 2011, 2012, and then 2016. That was our last share offering last year. So in this area, that was unique. And uh, the advantage that shareholders had uh, uh, within the CEDAF program was the equity tax credit, uh, which in the first offering was 30%, that was raised to 35. And then after five years, those shares qualify for a further tax credit. And after 10 years, for, the, for a third tax credit. And... Um, when we made our, our offering in 2010, we were past the point of dreaming. Uh, everybody has a dream, or everybody should have a dream, and ours was that, that we could bring locally produced electricity to the homes and businesses in our area. And by, by 2011, we did have that first turbine up, uh, which was the result of being able to sell sufficient uh, shares to raise the capital for that first turbine, uh, together with being able to borrow uh, the, the balance. And we were able, again, to do that locally. So we had not only the leadership from the, uh, the board of directors, but we also had uh, a friendly investor 
in the area who not only bought chairs, but he he lent a considerable amount of money for us to be able to make that uh, make that first placement on the hill. The amount of money we raised was uh, in excess of two million dollars, and um, so we have um, we we sold shares an increasing amount each time we sold the shares, and we had more behind what we were saying. So the shares went from a dollar to a dollar fifty, to a dollar sixty, a dollar eighty, and when we sold shares last spring this time, the shares were two dollars and twenty cents. Now we're not anticipating selling more shares, so we said to him, "This is likely the last one." So we have um, in excess of two hundred eighty shareholders, about two million dollars invested. We borrowed about the same amount of money, and and because we've had uh, revenue flowing in month after month, we had sufficient funds to put up our last turbine, which was in the five hundred thousand dollar cost range. We did that from internally generated revenue, so we're we're past the point where we need to we needed to raise uh, more capital, and we're at the point now where we're starting to pay down the loan uh, a little more aggressively, and uh, it, it makes a very good situation for our shareholders. Uh, we have a number of situations where. Uh, uh, for example, a grandmother will buy shares with a, a grandchild as a, a co-shareholder. Uh, we have a, a family of uh, uh, mother and father and two children, for example. So you get these combinations, and uh, uh, it's 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 the kind of um, a setting where when I'm working on the uh, say working on a dividend or forms going out. I, I tend to know who the people are, even though there's some I've never met, but you have a sense of knowing one another, and we try to make sure that they have a sense of who we are, because we keep communicating with them. The CDF program is unique in that it allows Nova Scotians to invest in local development. The idea of preventing money from leaving a community is taught by community development experts like those at the Cody Institute in Antigonish. One tool that can be used for measuring how much money and other resources leave a community is called the leaky bucket. We'll dig into that in a future episode. The difference in in doing this as compared to having people buy shares, say, in Emira, which is Nova Scotia Power Incorporated, the parent company, is that every enterprise that sells shares or has shares on the on the stock exchange has to put out uh, information and saying this is what we're doing. So here we are, a little group of people, and can see that there are a number of businesses in the area, like a, a grocery store or a hardware store or a furniture store, and you're not investing in them, you're buying from them. Well, now we're saying, yeah, well, trust us that we'll look after your money. That's a pretty big responsibility. And I have to say, in fairness, uh, that there are lots of people who don't have shares in any other company. The number of shareholders who are uh, not living in Nova Scotia right now is very small. Uh, for example, I know we have four shareholders in Alberta, uh, and we have several in Ontario. But other than those, and they they have connections to the to. Uh, family in most cases here. Uh, there's uh, one man who is uh, who is 
uh, on staff of the agricultural campus in Truro, uh, who went to work in Guelph, Ontario. So, I mean, you, so you know him. Um, there are others who have moved because of jobs. But um, so all but about four or five are living in Nova Scotia. Uh, of those, there's a scattering of shareholders from the South Shore and Valley, um, uh, Pecto County on to Cape Breton. But primarily, uh, by, it's not just a majority, the, the largest number of shareholders are Colchester County, Cumberland County, and HRM. And the HRM connections in many cases are family ones again. So of that total, um, I, I think somewhere in the range of 70% are Colchester and Cumberland County. The local investments translated directly into turbines, captured energy and revenue that also stays in the community. We have five turbines on the hill called Spittle Hill. Two of them are 800 kilowatt turbines. The, the first one we put up was an 800 and the last one we put up. Uh, the second the last one we put up is 800 uh, kilowatt. Um, the three others are 50 kilowatt. We put two of them up in 2012 to operate in 2013, and the last one we put up last uh, last uh, summer in 2016. Um, altogether, then you have 1,750 kilowatt in, in, in terms of their size. Um, they, they are making uh, enough electricity to uh, run something like a thousand houses in our area or businesses. The, um, the revenue they're bringing in is uh, going to be in the order of uh, $850,000 a year, which is pretty handy. Uh, it's, of course, it's never exactly something. And the all of the electricity that's made by these turbines stays within the area of the Tatamagush substation. So just up the road from where we're sitting is the substation that also brings electricity here from the Nutby Winfield. So all of the electricity from our turbines stays here. Anything more that's needed for our whole area comes through from the wind turbines that are on Nutby Mountain. We know, and we're one of the few communities in Nova Scotia that can say with any kind of certainty that when the turbines are turning, all of our electricity is coming from wind power. That's kind of unique. While there are a number of CEDAF companies in Nova Scotia, uh, almost everyone is unique in its circumstances, and you have to gain the trust of people. And this is a little different from um, a, a broker with, with say, uh, uh, Nesbitt Burns or Wood Gundy or any of the other uh, big investment companies, uh, which most of them were, were tied to banks. Um, we're, we're saying, trust us. Now, uh, what kind of trust do people have in, in someone who hasn't done this before, hasn't harnessed the wind? And well, one bank said to us, well, can you be sure the wind's going to blow? 
imagine the question. I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating question, but not from my point of view when I'm looking at wind data and, wind data and seeing that not only does the wind blow, but there are very few days when it doesn't. And it's gotten stronger and stronger and stronger, as we know, with the change in the, the climatic conditions we're all dealing with. The, the, the people in this local area know, um, uh, know very well the, the kind of reputation David Swan has. And uh, uh, I tried to build on that reputation. And we, we got a number of, um, of local people on the board that, that people were, were appreciating. And uh, as a result, uh, I think that uh, building from that promise to um, actually getting a contract with Nova Scotia Power to having the site selected uh, all built a pattern where people are saying, yeah, they seem to know what they're doing. This trust element is huge in any community project. David's demonstrated how the company has cultivated it on a very personal grassroots level. There were challenges, of course, and naysayers, and the nature of these concerns can vary greatly from region to region in Nova Scotia. It was after that first turbine went up that, um, and, and people knew we were going to put up more, that we had uh, some reaction from people in the area. Um, the, the main reaction was from people who have camps that are within a, a kilometer of the turbine. Now, uh, under um, Colchester County uh, bylaws, there is, uh, there is no right uh, of camp owners to take part in the, the kind of discussion and activity that full-time homeowners or cottage owners have. There's a difference between uh, uh, dwellings that are full-time houses uh, or cottages, which have to have certain characteristics to be classified as a cottage, as compared to a camp, which can be placed anywhere on any property, uh, depending on what people want to do. They are not real estate, they're personal property. They're the same as taking your car and parking it somewhere. You can take a camp and, quote, park it, unquote, somewhere. And as a result, uh, we had uh, several camp owners who thought that they had more control over what we should be allowed to do than they were entitled to have. We did not fight with them, but we did not agree with them. And they found that disagreement to be not to their liking. So it took a while, but we don't hear from them anymore. And uh, while I may have uh, a, a personal uh, interest in and sympathy for what they would like to have happen with the world, it's not theirs to decide. The same thing has happened in a lot of other areas in Nova Scotia. For example, I remember reading about a gentleman in Cape Breton who did not want to see turbines when he was walking at his favorite walking place. Okay, I understand that. He felt that, he, that seeing a turbine would be in some way detrimental to his walking. Fair enough. But that's not a reason for not doing something. It's always easy for those few to get an audience, to get to 
to receive press or to write letters, even though they may not be residents in the area, they make it seem like they are. And that's, yeah, that's, that's the way it goes. It's here that our conversation turned to the characteristics present in communities that see value in projects like CCWF in collaboration and innovation. Well, I think we have a number of communities in Nova Scotia that, that have more of this kind of characteristic. And and we can look to places like Annapolis Royal and and Lunenburg, Mahone Bay. Uh, that uh, And now with the changes in Guysboro, uh, with the development that has taken place there, you get a different spirit. I think Tadamagush for a long time has some of that different spirit. You can, you can find um, a measure of leadership within this community, which I think is, is part of what we're trying to talk about. How do you get leadership, or how do you encourage people to become part of leadership? That was David Stevenson, president of Colchester Cumberland Windfield. You can learn more about CCWF at ccwf.ca. You can learn more about the Community Economic Development Investment Fund program at cedif.ca. Stay tuned for the second part of my interview with David, during which he digs deeper into this notion of leadership, the characteristics of a vibrant, progressive community, and why it's important for all of us to be learning from each other. This has been Voices, Stories of Change, a project of Engage Nova Scotia, where we shine a light on Nova Scotians thinking outside the box, engaging with their community, and planning for a better future. If you have a story you'd like to share, please email me at jeff at engagenovascotia.ca. Find Engage on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Engage Nova Scotia. Art in the series is by Megan Rushton. Find her online at meganrushton.com. Songs by Rich O'Coin. You can buy his music on iTunes. <laughs>